Hi, everyone. I have an amazing guest with me, Sarah. And so I will let Sarah to introduce herself. Hi. Yeah. Thanks, Olga. My name is Sarah Stogner. I am a lawyer. I'm licensed in Louisiana, Texas, Colorado, and pending in Mississippi. That's a lot of states. Tell me about your career and, and, and collection of states uh, for your practice. Yeah, so I actually graduated from LSU Law School in 2008 and started in the traditional oil and gas law section basically. And so really went from Louisiana to Texas and Colorado for oil and gas operations stuff. And then a couple of years ago, as different states started legalizing medicinal and adult use cannabis, um, really saw that there were some there were some synergies between the, the oil and gas sector and the cannabis sector for how they deal or the potential to deal with risk and contracts and things like that. And so started really following various states. And the reason I'm getting licensed in Mississippi is because we anticipate that Mississippi's medical program, medical cannabis program will go into effect and they'll actually start being able to serve patients this summer. Okay. Um, I'm very much intrigued by quite a few things you said, and we're going to get into all of them. Uh, but before we do, I know you're using Unicorn um, in your adventures on social media. Tell, tell me more about that. You know, I think a few years ago, I really I started calling myself the oil and gas unicorn because I just think of things differently. And it was such a traditional industry, really a good old boys club in a lot of ways. And I started asking questions and, and coming up with some solutions that were a little bit um, non-traditional. And so I started calling myself the unicorn because I think that um, when we really put our heads together, right, good things can happen. So I, I guess my first question is, how does one get into oil and gas? Um, and then I definitely want to get into conversation of cannabis because cannabis has been an exciting area uh, of commerce and, and, and law and it's rapidly developing. But uh, since I've never had a thought of being uh, in oil and gas, even though my, my, my dad actually was uh, a mining executive, um, uh, and it's something that never even crossed my mind. So I'm going to ask you, how does one get in, into oil and gas law? So I, I started out at LSU Law School, or went to LSU Law School, and had a really good mineral rights professor named Pat Ottinger, and just really enjoyed the class from a from an academic standpoint, from just a nerdy legal perspective, right? It's got some really interesting um, legal issues that, that present itself in the industry. And then bigger picture, I mean, Louisiana and Texas, where I was living, has a lot of oil and gas exploration and production. And so I think it's necessary. And I think it's, it, unfortunately, the industry has not been great at standing up for itself and the good things that they do to provide clean, reliable energy to the world. And so I became passionate about really helping uh, the, the industry do better and be better. I see. Okay. Well, that, that, that's really cool. I think geography has a lot to do with what we end up practicing since I've been in Silicon Valley. I think it only makes sense that I naturally ended up in tech. And I think, uh, you know, similar things happen to you with respect to oil and gas. Um, but how does an oil and gas lawyer then become a cannabis lawyer? Um, and and, and I, I, that, that, I'm really curious about that. 
um, marijuana is still federally illegal. We they they did pass the Hemp Act, so if it's got less than 0.03% THC, it's okay to grow. But in general, um, I, I I got into the cannabis industry because I saw a lot of the same issues from a uh, legal and, and risk management perspective between the two industries. And a lot of attorneys are risk averse, right? Like we're naturally trained to be looking for things that can go wrong. And I saw a need for people that were, for businesses that were in the cannabis space, trying to do the right thing, trying to comply with complicated regulatory schemes and contracting issues and insurance issues and all the same issues that my oil and gas clients have. And I thought that it was an area where there wasn't a lot of attorneys helping, you know, most attorneys that have any sort of cannabis experience or maybe on the criminal side or yes, on the permitting side a little bit in California and on the West Coast where it's been legal for longer. But in the central part and the southern part of the country, I just saw an opportunity um, to service clients because there weren't attorneys you know, helping giving those services. Sarah, you said it a few times, which I find it very intriguing, that there is parallel. There are parallels between oil and gas and uh, and uh, cannabis. I would have never guessed that. Um, I would like a, a little bit more detailed answer about what you mean by that. And I know you qualified it, as, you know, in terms of the risk approach. But actually, can we do this one in depth? There's two different ways. That in, in my mind, they're very similar. The first one is um, we've got, un, it's, they're, they're essentially commodities. Oil and gas is a strict commodity. Cannabis is kind of a, a hybrid commodity. It has commodity tendencies. Um, and so it's a race to the bottom on who can produce the best product for the least amount of money. And you have growers who are growing, then you have processing where they actually use a lot of the same petrochemical processes that we do for refining petrochemicals. We use the same thing for cannabis to get different cannabis products. And then you have a retail aspect or a downstream aspect. And so just from a, a purely supply chain perspective, they have a lot in common. Exploration and production or grow, processing, and then retail sale. So that's one way. So then the other way I, I really see it is that there's some unknown risk, right? So as we start growing cannabis in new places, you have to you have to pick different cultivars, you have to pick different conditions. And so it depends on what you're using the cannabis for. Are you growing an industrial hemp type product to make hempcrete or clothing like cotton alternatives, or are we, are we making it for a consumable product? Then once you make those determinations, there's risk involved. So if you're going to go build a, a new facility, for example, and you're going to start raising new cultivars, I see that a lot like wildcat wells, where uh, as we come into new states, there's some unknown risk. People that are interested in investing, like non-operating working interest owners and wells, are interested in investing in cannabis. It doesn't mean they want to be actually out there digging the dirt, growing it, but they want to reap the rewards. So I see eventually... Um, investment in cannabis, similar to the way that people currently invest in oil and gas. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, you know, Alan has pointed out that there are sort of, you know, other ways to use cannabis and in beauty and pain relief and related products. And Leslie uh, pointed out that absolutely you can use blockchain to track provenance uh, in supply chain. Uh, those are well kind of, uh, I guess, known and rapidly developing use cases and 
Uh, we have seen, um, you know, them in, in not just in cannabis, we've seen it in agriculture just generally and, and uh, production of clothing and all kinds of other things. I guess maybe let's talk about kind of what's frustrating uh, in cannabis or what do you find frustrating? What do, what do you see your customers being frustrated? You know, where the frustration in cannabis lie? I mean, I think the biggest ultimate frustration, right, is the fact that a majority of both Republicans and Democrats are in favor of decriminalization, getting it off the controlled substances list, unscheduled, um, getting tax benefits, getting relief, and that our elected officials in uh, Congress can't seem to even bring the Safe Banking Act or the MORA Act to a vote in the Senate. And I think that's the biggest frustration. And then as an, you know, secondary to that is because we don't have it federally legal, the difficulties with interstate commerce and issues there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, the lack of federal um, acknowledgement is a challenge, right? One of the challenges is, uh, is in the, in, it reflects in actually selling and moving cash around and, um, uh, so Wesley asked, you know, if you have any views on the cannabis industry as it relates to banking, and you know, I mean, I'm guessing that's one of the frustrations. But I'll let you share your experiences. Kind of, what do you see with your clients uh, on this point? Yeah. Right. So yes, I mean, there are some. This is the this is the key. Like, there are certain banks that are willing to take the risk even though they don't have the clarification on the federal level yet. And so my suggestion and what most of my cannabis clients do is they have a banking relationship with a local credit union or a local bank. Um, in Oklahoma, for example, the, the Bank of Oklahoma has uh, is a statewide bank that has allowed cannabis clients. I don't know if they're allowing anymore. I think that there was actually a wait list. But there are banks that are willing to help clients where we see a lot of issues is, for example, credit cards. Like you can't use credit cards because uh, the credit card companies are worried about the federal regulations. And so then we've seen we've seen I've had clients deal with um, third party credit card processing companies where they're told that they could use it. And then the credit card processing company ends up coding something wrong, like instead of saying that they're actually a cannabis retailer, they'll they'll list it as a floral shop or a candle shop or something like this. And then when the credit card companies figure it out, there can be problems there because there's liability. So I just encourage everyone that's in the cannabis space to be honest about what they're doing and to find the partners who are willing to work with them because they are out there. It's just a matter of right knowing knowing what to do and just not lying about it. That's where you get in trouble. Yeah. And we, you know, I've, I've, I've dealt with cannabis vendors in, in uh, various uh, contexts. You know, as, you know, as a, someone in cannabis, you, that you usually know that some people may have reservations, either for whatever the moral issues maybe, or because of legal issues. And, and, and that's kind of like I've seen vendors basically say up front, look, I am in a cannabis industry. I am proud to be in one and, uh, you know, I, I'm open about it, but I want to make sure we're on the same page. If we're going to be doing business together, um, like you should know this about me and I want to, and I want to have an assurance that that works for you. Um, so that's definitely, I, I, I definitely think that being transparent and open about it is, is a good idea. Sarah, are there any other frustrations? I know banking is one of them. 
um, I, I'm sure there's a laundry list, but maybe uh, any one or two other ones where you see frustrations uh, to be. Yeah, so I think a lot of it different state regulations, right? So you've got companies who are in multiple states and the specifics can be different between states, but even in the same state. And so I don't practice in California. I have a lot of friends who do. And they talk about in California, local municipalities are allowed to add additional regulations. And so packaging, think, you know, little things that you wouldn't necessarily think, okay, this is a big deal. But if you, if you're, the, the packaging requirements in California may be different than Nevada, which are different than Oklahoma. So a company can't just come in and bulk order its packaging or, you know, there's a lack, also there's a lack of testing and reliable testing and what has to actually be disclosed, um, whether or not you're going to include terpenes, people, you know, so there's just, I, I think the best analogy I've heard is it, we're, we're essentially at the same time as the Great Depression and legalizing alcohol, where you were kind of everyone wanted moonshine and it was just this free for all for moonshine kind of thing. And right now with cannabis, it's it's similar. People are like, we want dabs, we want you know these these really strong strains. And so um, it's just going to be getting past the stereotypes and the stigmas, and then getting some regulations that are consistent so that people can conduct their business with some knowing, right? Like there's just so much unknown and things are changing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and that's, you know, for a certain lawyer, that's an opportunity to thrive and have an adventure and, and actually shape the course of history. Um, you need to have a, a desire personality for that. Uh, but it's definitely an opportunity to be a part of a bigger adventure um, look, legalization has been happening for a while across states. You know, there are also some federal uh, efforts as well. We know that the arch of history is bending toward legalization. The question, I think, is will it happen in our lifetime and how quickly? Um, and I'm just curious yeah. how, how you think about uh, where this is going. You know, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. Tell everyone, right? Um, I think, I think. Current, this is where we are right now. President Biden is older and isn't in a big hurry to legalize. Chuck Schumer is not in a big hurry to legalize. And so I think until we get some younger folks in, I'm going to be I'm going to be a little bit cynical and say I, I'm not real hopeful um, in the next year. Maybe for the 2022 midterms, I think it might be an issue where um, given the new census information and as states come online, but in my mind, that's gonna be the key. As more states legalize it, then those representatives are gonna have local pressure from their home people to go to Washington and really push through the, the federal legislation. So I don't know, I think longest term, four, four or five years, shortest term, one or two. Okay, okay, okay. I, I was a little bit worried there because you said we need younger people uh, to be in office and we're not trending positive in that direction in the last few elections. So um, I, I was a little worried that the answer is going to be like 100 years, um, but uh, but I, maybe two to five, um, I, I can maybe live with that. Um, do you think uh, this state uh, legalization will happen for, before the, the federal or how do, you, how do you think that will play out, the states versus the federal? 
Yes, I think it's going to continue to be the state push. So like right this year in this legislative session, New Mexico just passed adult use. New York just passed adult use, right? As more states, there's there's pending legislation in Louisiana for adult use. There's pending legislation in Texas for a complete decriminalization. So as I think, depending on what happens this year and next year at the state level, that will really dictate a push at the federal level. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, this is a lively conversation. We have many people um, asking all kinds of questions. Some are related to sort of benefits and validation. Uh, Flo asked a question about auditing to assure compliance and packaging and regulations. I don't know if you have any predictions there. Yeah, so I, I yes, that is an issue. And I think it depends on the states and the problems. So, for example, in Oklahoma, they've had a lot of issues with quality mold contamination, right? Some some issues with their products. And there's been a push there to have more enforcement. And um, it's just a matter of, do they really have the resources to dedicate at, at the state level to, to enforcing it? I mean, just like we see in oil and gas, right? Like you've got all these fields, all these people doing this, and there's only a few, handful of regulators there to, to inspect. Yeah. And it's really up yeah. to the... To the consumer, right? To know what they're purchasing, and then when you see issues, to complain. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. The conversation about regulation is a little challenging when the legality is questionable, right? Because legality is the first question. Um, if it's illegal in the first place, then why regulate what's illegal? Um, then you, you have a different problem. But if you you have to acknowledge that the thing is here and we have to live with it, and then you can regulate. So I think. One of the lack of clarity of regulation is precisely because the legality of it is up in the air. So that's where laws may not be always be helpful. Um, say I am a, a business professional um, and would like to start my cannabis adventure. Um, any any advice for for Olga, the eager cannabis uh, industry uh, adventure seeker? Yeah. So I think my biggest suggestion is. Uh, get into it because you're passionate about the plant, not because you think it's going to be uh, like a big money thing, right? I think people get into it thinking, oh, there's going to be all this money. And at the end of the day, because they don't have tax protection, because they don't have a lot of these other things, it's really hard to make money in the cannabis space. And in a lot of ways, it's a race to the bottom. Um, but I would, I would encourage getting involved and really starting to look and learn from the people that have been before. And there's a lot of folks in the industry that have been around since the legacy days with a lot of great information that are willing to share it. And it's just going and asking and learning and sitting in the rooms and asking lots of stupid questions. That's how I did it. <laughs> and I still do, right? Like, I don't know how to grow. I, I have clients and I see it, but I'm, I'm learning. So I, I think it's just depending this is my anything you do in the non-cannabis space in any sort of aspect if you're an accountant a lawyer a whatever an electrician right we need those jobs in the cannabis space so just take whatever your knowledge is outside the cannabis space and learn about a little bit about the cannabis space and see how you can add value yeah i i find that in, in developing industries whether it's tech or tech with regs uh, building is how you learn you get in Whatever life, professional experiences you bring, you add and you problem solve and you get to shape the, the future and the, the future belongs to builders and you become the builder 
and you really influence and you are in it, knee deep solving the problems. And that's definitely a way to learn and to know where things are going. I certainly have done it in, 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 in uh, my practice and found it super rewarding, exciting, and I actually think that's the reason to get into law. Um, Sarah, this has been a fantastic conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to ask you sort of the last question. Do you have any advice for, for any lawyers out there who are sort of thinking, wow, this is an adventure worth taking. What do I do now? I think you just start, I think if you're, if you're in a state where it's legal, you dig deep into the regs and you start talking to people that are in the industry and asking where their pain points are. And as lawyers, if we, instead of, um, if we attack things from a perspective of where are their problems, how can we fix them? And as opposed to kind of taking the things we've always done and just assuming that it's going to work, I think this is a really good chance to come in and say, you know, I, okay, I think I, I, I've been in whatever industry providing legal advice, right? And these are the things that frustrate me in that area. Let me come in and help start talking to people. And then you show an interest and it naturally happens. The people, you put out good information that's helpful and the people who need you will find you. Yeah, yeah, such a great advice. Sarah, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. This was so much fun. Uh, who knew that cannabis would be that much fun? Um, I and, did. <laughs> well, and who knew there are parallels between oil, gas, and cannabis? Um, so I definitely learned something today. So thank you so much. This was fantastic. I, I really appreciate that you found the time to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Olga. This was great.